You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Benson. All right, so if you have not had the opportunity to be here every week for the last, I guess, three weeks maybe, um, then you're going to need to get caught up on the podcast because we have been discussing a lot of elements of accountability, how accountability, uh, how we desire for it to look moving forward as a church family. Uh, we want to be serious about fighting sin and serious about staying encouraged as a church family and um, using everybody in our church to fight sin, not just leadership. And so we're wanting to get away from the model where if you need to be held accountable to something that you go to somebody in leadership and start meeting with them one-on-one, that we want to build an environment of accountability, uh, an environment where we're fighting sin, encouraging each other, um, as Scripture commands us to, that we're faithfully meeting, exhorting one another uh, as we wait for Jesus to return. And so we've been talking about different elements for what that looks like for us as a church. Um, we talked about why accountability is necessary, that Scripture describes sin as crouching at our door, that it's seeking to cling to us, to hold us back in our pursuit of Christ. We've also looked at how sin is best defeated in a group effort. Um, that as we fight sin together, we find uh, the best environment for us to gain victory is when others are praying for us, others are encouraging us, others are exhorting us, um, others are helping us to not be blinded by our own sin, uh, not being hardened by our sin, but instead faithfully presenting truth to us. Uh, we said accountability is our church's effort to pursue sanctification as we run together from sin and towards righteousness. And we see this in 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so you see three aspects of running there. We're, for, we're to run from sin, we're to run to righteousness, and we're to run together with others that are on that journey with us. So we flee youthful passions, we pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So accountability in our church, it's our effort to pursue sanctification as we run from sin and we run towards righteousness together. And in that, we want to attack the why we sin as much as the what we do when we sin. What's the motivation for sinning? Why do we make choices to step out of obedience to God? We said that there were four key elements to our accountability as a church, that that involves us meeting together, confessing together, encouraging together, and then praying together. That that's what we desire to happen in these accountability groups that we're forming in our church, that we meet together, that we confess together. We're going to talk about what that looks like today. How do we, how do we get to the point where we're not just sitting around talking about sports and fashion and, and things that are going on in our life. How do we go below the surface and really start dealing with sin? How do we get to the point where we're comfortable confessing sin? Uh, the third element, encouraging each other. Not just making it a place where we spill all our dirty laundry, but being faithful to encourage one another in moving past some of those decisions. And then ultimately, uh, leaning on the Holy Spirit, leaning on God to bring victory to our life. So it's not just me coming, sharing my struggles with you and expecting you to fix me. It's us surrounding the entire environment with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to work in our life, to, um, to claim the promise that God is going to work out our salvation. So we've got responsibility in our sanctification. Uh, ultimately, it all falls on God doing that work in us. And so we want to uh, even communicate that in how we handle our accountability. We said that in, in confessing and encouraging each other, that we want to help each other develop roadblocks, like uh, behavior modifications, things that we can incorporate into our life that will help us fight sin. Um, if, it's a, if it's a struggle with pornography and lust, that we're going to build in some roadblocks to help an individual. We're going to put accountability software on their computer, um, that type of thing. Building some roadblocks that's going to help cut off some of that behavior. But not just claiming victory if behavior has been modified, because I've seen it time after time that when 
sin is attacked just from a behavior standpoint, sin will rear its head in another, in another area. And so we've got to get to the heart issue. We've got to get to the lies that are being believed. What lies do we believe when we sin? So not only developing roadblocks, but confronting lies. So the first, developing roadblocks, that focuses on behavior. Confronting lies uh, deals with or um, focuses on our belief. So bringing us back to the gospel and the promises of God. We use the illustration of the sirens in mythology who would lure people away with their, with their music and lure them to their death. And we saw two aspects of how people got past the sirens in these stories. One was binding themselves to the ships so that they could not leave even though they wanted to. That sin enticed, they wanted, their flesh wanted it, but they had set up parameters to where they could not go to it. But again, we don't just want to be people who stop doing sinful behavior. We want to attack the heart. And so we talked about the other ship that would play better music. It would play better music on the ship so that even though the sirens were calling out, the people stayed on the boat because what they realized was this is better than what we hear off in the distance. And so learning to play the gospel like an instrument to each other so that we want to uh, see sin leave our life, not just from a behavior standpoint where it's cut off, but we actually have a heart desire to follow Christ in obedience. Uh, and then last week we looked at how we avoid gossip in all this because we said that if we're not careful, we, we start talking about sin with each other, things that we struggle with, and then the enemy takes that knowledge and uses it for our destruction so that somebody steps out of an accountability group, they're hanging out with somebody else, and it's, you're not going to believe what's going on in so-and-so's life. We're praying for them in our accountability group, but uh, you need to be praying too. And so here's some information for you. And we talked about how we're so prone to listen to gossip because it entertains us. Um, it satisfies curiosity. And we said that ultimately we can avoid gossip by valuing other people more than us. Because a lot of times gossip is meant to tear other people down so that we look better. If I can highlight to you ways that other people are struggling, it just makes me look better in your eyes because I don't struggle with those things that I'm telling you about. And we can avoid that motivation if we take the, the teaching in Philippians 2 about putting other people above us, doing nothing from rivalry or selfish ambition and conceit, but considering others better than ourselves, more important than us, they have more value than us. If we have that mindset, we're not going to seek to tear them down. And then we looked at some of the, the differences between gossip and seeking wisdom. We talked about, well, how do, I, how do I get help in ministering to somebody without being guilty of gossip? And we said that it starts with identifying what the difference is between the two, that gossip a lot of times is telling others that are not involved in a situation or can't really help the situation. We're just simply passing on information. Whereas when we seek wisdom with the right motivation, we're looking for help and advice from someone who can help. If you have questions or concerns about the direction of the church, don't ask somebody that's not involved in the decision-making process for the church why we're doing things that we're doing. Go straight to the top. Go straight to the elders and say, look, I've got questions, concerns, I've got issues, I've got frustrations, and allow the people that can offer the help to offer the help. And that, that carries all the way down to when we're interacting with each other, trying to help each other, seeking out people if need be that you believe can help the situation. We looked at how to do that, um, to be in prayer, asking God for wisdom first, and then in seeking out uh, wisdom, making sure that the person that you're trying to help would not be offended or hurt if you were to share that information, and then looking for people that can help the situation. Today I want to look at what it means for us to faithfully meet for accountability. What does it look like? for our groups of three or four individuals to meet together during the month for accountability. We said meet, confess, encourage, pray. But I know some of you are going to sit down potentially. If, if we just stopped there and I said, okay, go do it, some of you are going to sit down and say, okay, we're supposed to confess and encourage and then pray. How do we get started with that? Well, what do we do with that? So I wanted to give us some practical uh, discussion today on how that looks in a, in a meeting. What are we going to do? How are we going to use our time? When we get together, I've got two questions for you there in your notes that I want you to take some time to answer before we get into this. 
Question number one is, what are some righteous areas you feel we should hold each other accountable to? Now, what I mean by that is, if we're fleeing from sin and seeking to pursue righteousness, what are some specific things that maybe we need to hold each other accountable to to make sure they're going on in our life that are like good things? So not sinful things, like not questions that we would ask, are you doing this, are you doing this, are you doing this, but righteousness, things that we should be doing as Christians. What are some things that you could come up with that maybe we should hold each other accountable to as believers? These are things that we should be doing from a positive standpoint. We talked about being known more for what we are for than what we're against. Obviously, we're against a lot of sinful behavior. But we don't want to just be a church that's known for what we don't do. We also want to be known for a church that is very actively doing what the New Testament tells us to do. So jot down some things that you would say, it would be helpful if people in our church were praying for me and helping hold me accountable to these activities. These are things that a believer should be doing that sometimes I struggle to do regularly. Things that aren't always a part of my life like they should be. And then the second question is, what are some fears that you and others might still have about accountability? What are some, some potential fears that you still have or that others might have? Don't just think about what you're scared of in regards to starting accountability. Think about what others in your group might be hesitant about still with jumping all in and doing accountability because I would say there's still some fears and hesitations because I haven't heard back from a lot of groups yet that you're okay with your groups. Because you know that when I hear back from all these groups, we're getting started with this. And we're not going to really be able to get started until I hear back. And so what are some fears that are maybe holding you back from talking with your group yet um, and really jumping all in with this? So Take some time to answer those two questions. We'll talk about them here in a minute, and then I'm going to give you some uh, practical things for us moving forward as a church. All right, some, some righteous areas, some righteous behavior that, um, and, I, and I put it righteous in quotes because we're not like, I don't want to overemphasize that word as though like these are good works that God's impressed with kind of thing, but just what what the Bible would call living out righteousness, practical righteousness. What are some things that, that we should hold each other accountable to as a church family from a positive standpoint. Any thoughts on that? Okay. Are we, are we in the word? Are we studying? Are we faithfully feasting on the word? Okay. Working joyfully without grumbling and complaining. Okay. Giving generously. That's certainly an area that Scripture says if we're not careful, then we, then, we, then we love our money and we hang on to it. We cling to it. Are we faithfully releasing and being good stewards of what God has given us? Okay, fervently praying. Okay, what was that? Guarding our words and actions, share, uh, faithfully sharing the gospel, teaching others. Purity. Anything else you jotted down you want to share? Okay, are we are we taking care of those in need? Are we assisting others, helping others, thinking of others? Um, specifically, Scripture describes that as widows and orphans. See, my fear is is that we hear accountability and we, we, we say, okay, well, that means we show up and we talk about are we struggling with any type of sexual issues? And Because a lot of us, that's what, we're, that's what accountability is. It's, okay, I'm struggling in this specific area. I've got to meet with somebody for accountability. We don't typically hear about somebody meeting for accountability because I grumble a lot, right? Like usually people don't come forward to say, I've got a real problem with complaining. I need somebody to meet with me regularly so I can fight this. We don't typically approach sin like that. Typically, it's, one of the, it's like one of the big ones, like one of these things that's like, okay, I've really got to get this bad behavior fixed. But a lot of times, some of these other more uh, tolerated sins in the church, I mean, it would be a foreign concept to meet with somebody about accountability for that. But our accountability groups are fighting sin, not just fighting uh, one issue that maybe some people in our church struggle with, but fighting sin as a whole. And so... Uh, in trying to describe for you what it looks like to confess and encourage, I want us to approach it not just from one specific issue, but looking at sin in our life as a whole and how we can fight it 
and how we can remain faithful as we wait for Jesus to come back. Um, some fears that maybe you and others might still have about accountability. Anybody jot anything down there that you want to share? Okay. Yeah, even though we've talked about gossip, um, some of you know that not everybody was here last week. And so until everybody listens to last week's podcast, there's still the, the fear that, hey, we're not all on the same page about gossip. So again, if you didn't come the last couple of weeks, you were out of town or whatever, please be faithful to listen to those podcasts because We've got to be on the same page. If we're going to build an environment of trust to where we don't fear gossip happening and we can trust that others will squash it if it starts happening, um, then we've got to be on the same page about that. Other fears about accountability. Okay. Yep, it's, it's coming clean and then knowing that people are going to at times be in your face about it. And... Um, Maybe not wanting people to <laughs> to follow through as much as they could potentially. Other fears about accountability. Okay. Change change the view that you've worked so hard to build up in their mind. You know that that that's going to all come crumbling down when people begin to realize you're not as awesome as we thought you were. You've 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 torn everybody else around and built yourself up, and now it's time to come clean that. You're not as awesome as we thought you were. That's true. I mean, that's, that's a fear that it'll, it'll change people's perspective about us. What else? Yeah, I mean, some of us are, are, are probably going to come into this and say, okay, I'll share with you this stuff, but I know you're not going to be able to handle some of this other stuff. Um, and, and that's going to take some time. I don't expect people to, to all of a sudden be able to come forward and say, I've got an eating disorder or I, I'm struggling with, uh, with cutting. You know, these are things that, that have, I've had to deal with in the past. Um, and, and those things don't come out very quickly. Um, those things aren't something that day one we walk into accountability. It's like, okay, it's my turn. Here's the things that I struggle with. Um, we're, we're, we're hoping to get to that. We're hoping to where, we build an environment where even some of those more difficult things can be shared. But, yeah, that's definitely a fear that can exist is that we'll be misunderstood or not. Uh, that issue won't be fully grasped by the people I'm telling. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest reasons that accountability fails is because people stop making it a priority to meet. And so you've shared now with somebody that's now not following through. And I, and I would say that's, for me, that's been a fear of mine for accountability. It's that I will share with you, but you won't take what I shared seriously. You won't follow up. So we've got the fear of you will follow up, and I'm going to get angry at that sometimes. But then there's also the fact that you might not follow up. And so now I've shared with you information, hoping that you would help me in this, and you're not really. So now I've just given you information that I wish I'd never given you because you're not praying for me. You're not asking me about it. You're not seemingly helping me fight this. You just disregarded it like it wasn't important. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about that too. Like We've got to be intentional to commit that if somebody's going to share something, we've got to commit to help and fight, help fight with them. Anything else that you jotted down? Yeah, who asked last week about venting? Who asked the question if it's ever okay? Eric. Somebody make sure Eric gets the answer to this. Um, Eric asked at the end of, of last week, is it ever okay to just vent, to just release, built up, whatever about a situation? I thought about it this week, tried to play out different scenarios in my mind. I would say that for the most part, it's probably not okay to vent because most of the time it's grumbling and complaining. And, and we know from Scripture we don't grumble and complain. There are times where it may be helpful to, from your perspective, vent. But I think in choosing the person that you vent towards, 
You demonstrate I'm not trying to grumble and complain. I need you to help give me a better perspective on this. And so carefully choosing the individual that you vent to. So not just grabbing somebody and like we talked about, just somebody in line at McDonald's from church. And you're like, hey, let me tell you about this and this. And I'm just frustrated about this. And, you know, the guy's like, all right, I got to order my Big Mac now. Like, I don't I don't have time to correct your view. Like if, if, if there's a if there's intentional right motivation to vent about an issue that's frustrating you, that's causing you uh, potentially the temptation to get angry and stuff, it's carefully choosing the person that you vent to saying, okay, I'm choosing you because my perspective's not right and I know that and I'm hoping you can help me get a right perspective. Uh, so I don't think just venting to vent is probably really ever okay because I think it, you might as well just label that gossiping and, or not gossiping, grumbling and complaining but I think there can be right ways to handle some of that built-up emotion. Seeking out somebody that's not going to just let you grumble and complain about it, but it's going to seek to correct and speak truth to you. You get it out, but then you also have the right things to replace it with. So, But yeah, we don't want an environment where people are just sharing things that they're dealing with from a grumbling and complaining type standpoint. All right, so those are things that we're going to continue to work through. I want to give you some practical things today real quick, and then uh, we're going to work through um, a sheet that I've put together. Uh, something I want to start trying, we, we, I kind of casually threw it out last week, and then uh, Sarah took advantage of it. If you have a question at any point when I'm teaching and you want to text that question in, you're, you're hesitant to raise your hand and stop the flow of what we're doing, but you're afraid you'll forget the question by the end of the time that we, we we're teaching, Feel free to text that in. I keep my phone right here in case Tyson or Adam have to tell me something that, that I need to know. Uh, but we're going to kind of open it up. If you've got a question at any point, you want to text that in, feel free to do so. And, and I'll try to stop and answer it if it's relevant for right then and there. Or if not, I'll answer it at the end. Um, and if you really want it to remain anonymous, just put anonymous somewhere in the question because... Last week when Sarah asked the question, I read it and I went straight to Sarah and I answered it like without saying Sarah, but everybody was like, hey, it was pretty obvious you texted that in because you looked right at Sarah when you answered the question. So if you're like, man, don't look at me when you when you answer this question, like just put anonymous like in all quote or all caps and I'll know to um, to not look at you when I answer the question. But if you have a question at any point, feel free to text that in, and I'll try to answer it before um, we're done. All right, so faithfully meeting for accountability. What does that look like? Two things real quick. For accountability to work, A, it will require that you come prepared. For accountability to work, for us to really maximize the, the hour and a half, maybe two hours, if you've got some flexibility in your schedule, whatever it ends up being, hour to two hour plus maybe, in order for that time to really be used effectively, especially when you're talking about three or four people that need to have some time to talk and to, to work through some things, you've got to come prepared. And what, by, what I mean by that is you need to have already reflected on where you're at in life before you show up. So me, Chris, Tyson, Adam, Ben, well, we're meeting and I, I say, uh, Tyson, you know, how are things going in your life? Like, what, you know, anything that we can be praying for you about? And Tyson says, well, let me think about that. How, how have the last few weeks been? Is there anything that I'm, you know, like that uses up time, takes time from other people. If you're just now thinking about where things are at with you in your life and how you're doing spiritually and, and how we can pray for you. So for accountability to really work, for it really to be effective, it, it means that you've got to come prepared um, and we're going to talk in a minute, I think, too, we're going to try to have shared some of that information before we actually meet with each other. And so I've put together um, a discussion guide for, for our accountability groups, and, it, and it's a series of questions for you to honestly assess yourself before you meet with your accountability group each time. And what I'd like to see us do is to try to answer these questions in advance, send those to our accountability group, so we're already kind of on the same page about what we're probably going to discuss when we get together. Does that make sense? So you're taking some time beforehand to prepare, to get ready, so that when you're actually together, it's as effective as possible. I'm coaching football this year. It would be silly for us to show up tomorrow at our first practice and me say, okay, let me think for a minute, guys, what drills we should do. 
Okay, like our practice is like an hour and a half long. We don't have time for me to be thinking about what drills we're going to do. I've spent a lot of time this summer getting ready for football season. When we start tomorrow, I'm prepared. Like we've got a playbook. We've got drills. We've got a depth chart. Like we, I've done a lot of preparation so that when we hit the ground with practice, we're ready to go. So we want to be faithful to prepare for our accountability groups so that we're not wasting time thinking about what we should be talking about. Okay. Secondly, or B, it will require that you leave committed. And that's the aspect where you've listened and you're going to work to help somebody. You're committed. Like you didn't just come to hear somebody's struggles and hear things that they need prayer about. And then you walk out the door and you don't do anything with it. It'd be equivalent to what James chapter 2 tells us. James chapter 2, verse 16. Well, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So that's talking about somebody in need with... with material things and we just tell them be warm be filled but we don't give them any food to fill themselves up with we don't give them any clothes to warm them if chris sits down with me and says i'm struggling with this and i look at him and say "Uh, don't do that anymore okay let's let's go we're done and i don't pray for chris i don't follow up with chris to see how he's doing in that area in his life i'm not talking through things with him outside my accountability time maybe not even like trying to do some own research and study myself on that issue, how can I find encouragement for Chris? Then I'm guilty of what James 2 is kind of describing. It's a different context as far as what the issue is, but it would be just like me saying, Chris, don't do that anymore, but not helping give him the tools to not do it anymore. So it means us leaving committed. Okay, I've heard from you. I've heard your heart, and I love you. And I'm going to work with you over the coming weeks before we meet again together to help hold you accountable, to help you fight this, to follow up with you, to call you, to text you, to email you, whatever it is, to help encourage you to fight this. Because what we can't have is people showing up. I shared with you guys a month ago, and I haven't heard from any of you guys about this. It'll fail. People will stop coming. You'll have that issue where people say, I don't have time to meet. I don't have time to come tell you stuff and then have to tell you the same thing a month later because you haven't done anything. Okay, so coming prepared and then leaving committed. We're assuming the meeting together, so let's talk about confess, encourage, and pray. First, confess the lies. We're confessing lies. As we confess sin, we also want to be faithful to confess the lies that we're believing that leads us into that sin. Your role in that. I'm going to give you your role and your contribution in talking about these accountability groups. Your role is to be honest in assessing your life and to be faithful in sharing it with others. For the confession aspect to work in our accountability groups, it's going to require you to be honest in assessing your life and to be faithful in sharing it with others. You want to jot down Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David is praying to God about his sin regarding Bathsheba. And you can tell that David has spent some time honestly assessing his actions and the heart motivation behind those actions. And he's confessing this to God. He's not just saying, God, I'm sorry I slept with Bathsheba. Like, like that's not his confession. He's identified the real issues. He has honestly assessed the situation. And in order for our confession time to be, to be done rightly, it involves you honestly assessing yourself, honestly assessing what's going on in your life and being faithful to share it with others. Your contribution in this. Because you're not just coming to the group to share your stuff and be fixed by your group. You're there You're there to help others fight. I was talking with somebody recently and having to to help that individual see that, hey, this group's not just about you. You're there for that group as well. And remember, we didn't pair people up because we felt like that there were super spiritual people in every group necessarily. 
We didn't sit down and say, okay, we think these guys are just really awesome. Let's spread them out and make sure that there's at least one awesome person in every group. That's not how we broke it up. We broke it up and said, here are three members. Here's four members of our church that say they want to love Jesus. And we're going to trust that they're going to fight sin together and encourage each other. So don't look at your group and say, well, I don't really have like a leader in my group. I don't really have uh, a spiritual figure that's way beyond where I'm at spiritually. And so this group can't help me. You're there to help that group just as much as that group's there to help you. Okay? Um, So your contribution to the group is to help expose any lies that others are believing. To help expose any lies that others are believing and to help set up any roadblocks. You're there to help call out the lies that others are believing and to help them set up roadblocks. You'll remember that Hebrews 3, verses 13 and 14. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. See yourself as being in that group to help the other two or three persevere to the end. You're there to help them not be hardened by sin. You're there to help them persevere until Jesus comes back. See your contribution to the group. You have a role in it. You're there to, to express your sin, to get help for your sin, to help uh, get, or to get encouragement for yourself. But you're also there to give back. You're also there to help expose the lies that other people are believing. See yourself as a minister, not just as someone to be ministered to. Secondly, encourage with truth encourage with truth. So there's an aspect where we're going to confess. We're going to be honest about where we're at in life. And then we're going to, we're going to attack that, that confession. We're going to attack those lies with truth. We're going to encourage each other with truth. Your role, to see your group as in need of you just as much as you are in need of them. Philippians 2.4 says that we're to to value the needs of others. We're to put the needs of others above our own needs. So it's very real. We have needs. We have interests. But we're to consider the needs of others. We're to consider the interests of others as we consider our own needs. So again, coming to these groups saying, what encouragement can I bring to other people? What encouragement can I bring? So your contribution in that is to come ready to draw others' attention the gospel's power to come ready to draw others attention to the gospel's power ephesians chapter 5 these two passages sound really uh, similar both are written by paul so we would expect that he would offer sometimes very similar encouragement to different churches in verse 15 of ephesians 5 if you want to jot this down Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That, that's self-assessment. Look carefully how you're walking, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then if we flip over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see this aspect in both of these passages about teaching each other. And he even goes into talking about teaching each other through song. 
We have a responsibility to come to these groups with a mindset of how am I going to teach and encourage and draw people's attention to the gospel again. That's why we sing on Sundays. Like we don't just put together some music just because we need to fill some time. Like songs that we sing on Sunday, we've talked about this before in other contexts. We sing to help us remember. It's a, it's a teaching tool. That's why we teach kids uh, the ABCs with a song. Because it's easier to remember that way. And I think that, that Paul is highlighting the importance of Christian music in the life of a believer. Because we need to remember the truths of the gospel. And music is an incredible way to remember it. Now, I'm not going to mandate that in these groups you guys start singing songs um, you know, when you're meeting at the coffee shop for accountability. Uh, but I don't want to downplay that part of encouraging each other is potentially helping to fill each other's minds with, um, with song. You know, here, here or, and I'm going to go even a step further in how this looks for us today because we have, I think, more resources available than what Paul could draw this church to. So it's, um, here are podcasts that I've listened to recently that have really encouraged me. Here are books that I've read recently on some of these things that we're talking about that will help keep your focus and attention on the gospel. Now, that takes some time because, again, some of us are used to the model of I'm going to show up and meet with Adam or I'm going to show up and meet with Lauren or or anybody in our church, and they're going to help me with my issues. And you have not come prepared to offer anything to that setting. It's, okay, let me me get get some some benefits and wisdom from Adam. The, The big change here is that because there's no leader in your group, the responsibility falls on all of you to come prepared to teach, to encourage, to draw each other's attention to the gospel. Which means you got to grow up. You got to grow up, take responsibility. We're a church. We're a church of believers that are doing this together. Not a few leaders that are trying to drag you guys along with us. You come to these things, you come to this time together with, with a way to contribute to it. Which means it necessitates that you're growing on your own means that you're reading, you're studying, you're listening. Like you're pursuing your own sanctification so you can pour it into somebody else. And it's what Chris was describing wanting to do in Uganda. It's we want these guys independently growing, but then not just sitting on it, passing it on to others. Okay? Uh, encourage with truth, and then lastly, pray for strength. Pray for strength. Your role is to assess your own walk with the Lord and where you specifically need his continued grace immediately. To assess your own walk with the Lord and where you specifically need his continued grace immediately. So this, this kind of goes back to coming prepared. Like recognizing like where you're struggling, like being honest with where you're at in life. And then also carefully identifying, here's some ways to pray for me. Here's some, here's some specific ways that you can pray for me. Okay. Your contribution is to commit appropriate time in interceding for the sake of others. To commit appropriate time in interceding for the sake of others. Okay, so what that means is we don't just pray to end our accountability time and then say, I'll pray for you next time we meet. Don't just turn it into... Yeah, I pray for you. I pray every time we meet. We meet once a month. Yeah, I'm praying for you. No, that you're on. And for some of us, this means we're gonna have to like bring a journal and keep track of like prayer requests for each other. Like if if you're like me, um, I, I have good intentions of remembering what you've asked me to pray for, but odds are I'm gonna forget if I don't write it down. So for some of us, it means okay, I'm gonna get a prayer journal. And here's how I'm praying for people in my accountability group. They've asked me to pray for these things. I'm going to keep track of it. I'm going to intentionally pray for it. So we're not just praying to cap off our time together, but we're leaving with the intent to continue to intercede for each other. So if Jesse says, man, I struggle with this, Jesse needs to know that throughout the weeks between our meetings together that I'm praying for him, that I'm lifting him up. 
And that even as I do it, I can send a text to him and say, hey, man, I was praying for you this morning that you'll fight this specific struggle today. When I get texts like that, when I get encouragement like that, like it, it, it fills me again with a desire to, to press on and to not give in to something. To know that somebody else was intentional, that's thinking about me, not just thinking about themselves and what they've got to do today, but thinking about me, that inspires me. It fills me again with that desire to press on and to fight and to pursue Christ because I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not on an island that my church is functioning like it's supposed to. I've got somebody who's exhorting me every day to follow Jesus and not be hardened by sin. James 5.16, we've looked at in this series already, um, but just kind of drawing your attention back to it. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The only way we can see victory over sin in, in this accountability type setting is if we're praying for each other. And I share with you before, you know, you can't trust me to have magical words to say to you that's going to make you stop sinning. I don't have control over your heart. Now, I've got to come faithful to encourage and to teach and pass on truth. But I've got to pray that the Holy Spirit takes those seeds and ingrains them in your heart so that it flourishes. So it's got to be rooted in prayer, both as we meet, but then also as we leave together, that we continue that mindset of prayer. Okay? Um, question, would you say that worshiping during accountability is beneficial? Absolutely. Like in saying that I'm not going to mandate that you have to sing as part of your accountability groups, it certainly doesn't downplay the benefit of potentially doing that. Um, Tyson's maybe the only musically inclined guy in our group. So, um, you know, depending on your group, like, that that may work. Like, you may look around and say, hey, we're meeting at a place and at a time where, man, let's incorporate this into our time together. Let's let's come ready to sing and, and just worship together. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely some benefits that can come from that. Disciples were together and they sang a hymn together. Um, so definitely that can that can certainly be beneficial. Um but I'm not going to say that it's something that has to be done because some of you may really start to get fearful about accountability if there's not enough people there to drown out your voice uh, in the whole singing process. Um, so, yeah, definitely can be beneficial. All right, uh, any questions about that before transitioning into the last part of what I want to do today? All right, so to kind of help guide us in the process of knowing what to talk about, okay? Adam says confess and encourage, but, I mean, give me something to go off of. Like, give me something to kind of branch out of. I put together this discussion guide for uh, helping us pursue accountability together. So I'm going to get Jesse and Topi to pass these out to everybody. This is not like the, the final copy, so don't take this home and say, okay, this is what we're using. I want some feedback from this. I, I really tried hard not to approach this like a guy's accountability group because I realized like this needs to be used for both male and female. So I tried to not simply approach it like how a guy needs to be held accountable to stuff. Um, so I need some feedback specifically from the females, like things that are left out, things that would be beneficial to include in this. Um, I know there's some typos because I was moving stuff around and, and retyping stuff late last night and this morning. So I'm going to go through it and kind of organize it a little bit better because I really didn't even think through like exactly how it should flow as far as questions go. I kind of put all this together on paper, wanted to get some feedback from you guys, and then um, we'll kind of publish a, a final copy. Once everybody's got it, we'll kind of walk through it together so you can kind of see how I envision this looking. And it's got a backside to it as well. Yours doesn't have a backside for some reason. Let me know. Are they on the website? No, not yet. I mean, it eventually will be. Because what I'd like to do is to develop an editable version of this to where you can type stuff in, like I said, and then send it to your accountability group. Because um, what I don't want is for you guys to feel like, wow, there's five... 11, 15, 23, 25 questions, and there's four people in my group. That's 100 questions that we've got to work through. That's not what I want it to be because there's some of these questions for you on a given, on a given time together. 
This, we don't really need to talk about this. Like, I'm, I'm good in this area. So that's part of the benefit of sending this out early is that we can kind of know, okay, uh, we really want to hit question three, question two uh, for so-and-so because that's where they're expressing some, some need for encouragement, some, some discussion time on it. Um, and that way it kind of eliminates us having to go through, okay, anybody struggling with question number one? Anybody? All right, good. Let's go to question number two. That's usually I, – I, I've been in accountability settings where we've gone through a list of questions like this, and it's just kind of like, ugh, like we're still on question three. We've got seven more to go. That's why I want to kind of send these out in advance, and, and it helped it help guide us in what we're discussing. Because if we're, if we're not careful, this just becomes a legalistic list of, if I'm, if I'm good on these 25 things, then I'm good to go. You know, uh, These are meant to, to, to guide discussion, not to be a rigid list of rules that if we can master these things, then we can quit our accountability groups. Um, so... The purpose, and there's a typo in here, to assist you in remembering and summarizing the temptations you've faced, choices you've made, the state of your heart, to guide you in talking concretely with others about ways to guard against sinful actions, thoughts, and motives, and then to aid you in seeing your need for God's grace for overcoming the guilt and grip of sin in your life. Um, and so, essentially, when you would work through this, or whatever we end up kind of finalizing, in reading the questions, there, there's three possible answers. And I put this at the end of the instructions. You mark one for I need help in this. Like, I need immediate help. This is, this is a crisis situation. Like, I am not doing good. You put two if, man, I'm fighting this right now. Like, like, I've got a good mindset. Like, I know this is an issue. I'm fighting against it. But it needs some attention. And then you put three for stable, as in I'm, I'm, I'm finding victory in this right now. I'm certainly not perfect. Certainly not completely sanctified. But we don't really have to talk about this this week because I'm at a good place in this area right now for my life. Um, I've seen other ones that kind of stretch out the numbers to where it's one through nine, and it's like, uh, am I a five or am I six or am I set? Like, where do I fall? So I tried to simplify it and just give you three options because I spend way too much time thinking, where do I fall in the middle of need help and stable? So um, need help, I'm fighting this, but let's talk about it a little bit, and then I'm stable in this. I mean, not perfect. I could fall at any point kind of thing, but I'm at a good point in this place in my life right now. I broke them up into four categories. I think these are four areas where we would all say that the potential to struggle exists. Sexual purity, time management, financial stewardship, and then just our outlook and perspective on life. So under sexual purity, have you viewed or discussed any provocative or seductive material? This could, this could be a, a whole range of different things. Inappropriate conversations, inappropriate texting with other people, uh, inappropriate looking at stuff on uh, the internet, watching stuff. doesn't have to be explicit, triple X type stuff. Um, and, and, and I know some of these questions will fall towards married people more than singles, guys more than girls. Um, but I would say most of these, uh, none of these are were exempt from. So um, have you viewed or discussed anything provocative or seductive? Number two, have you actively avoided known triggers of sexual temptation? Is there anything that, that you kind of express to your group that, hey, when I'm in this setting or when I'm doing this, I typically fall into sexual temptation? Have you avoided those type of triggers? Number three, have you sought to attract the attention of other men or women other than your spouse? Now, this one, again, would, would fall mainly to married couples. You typically don't have individuals that just wake up the next day and they've had an affair kind of thing. It, it's, a, it's a process. And we want to identify any type of impure relationship in, in our church at the very beginning. Are there individuals in your life, specifically for married couples, individuals in your life that you've caught yourself at work, in the neighborhood, uh, wherever, and you've, you've, you've recognized that I'm trying to get that person's attention on me in a way that's not appropriate? You know, like, I tell stories when, when we're in this group with this person, and I hope that they laugh. You know, like, I'm trying to, to get their attention. That's where it starts. It's, it's recognizing somebody that's attractive, and you want to draw their attention to you. We want to catch that early. So is there anybody in, in your workplace, in your, in your neighborhood, wherever, your context, that you found yourself trying to draw their attention to you? Number four, have you spent time with a man or a woman in a way that was a compromise in faithfulness to your spouse? And that 
probably can be edited to or just kind of understood like your future spouse. Have you compromised faithfulness in that you are waiting for your future husband, your future wife? Have you compromised faithfulness to that person with somebody right now that's not your husband or wife? Number five, have you experienced any impure thoughts towards someone you know? Time management, have you spent appropriate time with your family and household? Have you sought to serve others by giving of your time selflessly? When you look back on your last week or weeks, have you spent the majority of your time on yourself? This is definitely a temptation for single people. Have you just kind of done what you want to do? Or have you been faithful to give your time to other people? How does that look? Uh, has, have technology and media compromised time with God, family, friends, and work? Have we given too much attention to that? Number four, have you pursued wholesome activities with your spare time? Have you been faithful to rest well? Number five, have you been faithful to develop a current study plan for yourself, and are you pursuing it faithfully? Remember, we're not going to hold you to how I think you should study the Scriptures and how often you should study it. We've challenged you guys to come up with a study plan. How are you faithfully in the Word? And then we want to hold you accountable to that. Financial stewardship. Have you been generous by sharing of your treasures with others? Have you faced any financial difficulties that are causing you to worry? Financial issues is one of the main causes of divorce. Let's catch it early. Is there anything that's happening in your life right now that I mean, you're worried about because it's, it's related to your finances? Have you compromised your integrity in any way with your financial dealings? For those of us that, that potentially have our hands on money, if it's not a temptation, it can become a temptation real quick to become dishonest, to hide the fact to justify how you're taking money for yourself. Number four, have you specifically been selfish in any way with your finances? Then outlook and perspective. Have you found anything specifically encouraging in your walk with the Lord? What is he teaching you? And this kind of starts to bring out some of the encouraging aspects. What, What is going on in your life that's good? What is God teaching you right now? What can you share with your group that will be an encouragement to them? Have you found anything specifically discouraging in your life? And have you sought to battle those feelings? Number three, have you developed any ungodly thoughts towards others in your life? Any bitterness, lust, jealousy, or anger towards somebody? Have you been mission-minded in any conversations with people outside of our church? We mentioned this in some of the righteous activity that we need to be involved in and holding each other accountable to. Are we sharing the gospel? Or are we going months, maybe even years at a time without having an intentional gospel conversation with somebody that's not in our family or our church? Are we, are we exposing people to the gospel faithfully? Number five, have you experienced any circumstance or disappointment that's leading you to feel discontent with your life? Have you experienced any joys that others can rejoice in with you or any sorrows that others can weep with you about? Scripture talks about us rejoicing with each other, weeping with each other. Let's share those things together. Number seven, have you fought the promotion of self by avoiding conversations of gossip? Have you sought to build others up? This week, I don't know about you, but I was intentional. Every time I was thinking about having a conversation about somebody, I I assessed whether this was gossip or not. And And I tried to assess, what's my motive in talking about this? Is it to promote myself? Does it make me look good? Um... And there was even there was a specific conversation uh, that I was getting involved in, and I said, "Hey, if you," I told this person, "I said, if you think this is gossip, tell me, because because I'll stop it right now, because I'm not sure and I, and I and I don't know." And so um, we got into a conversation, but I was sensitive to the fact that, man, I don't want this to be gossip. Um, number eight: Have you fought the tendency to trust self by praying regularly for God's wisdom, guidance, and goodness in your life? One of the reasons that we don't pray is because we trust that we've got it all taken care of. So are you fighting that tendency to trust yourself and your own ability to handle things by praying, as Chris said, fervently? God's wisdom, his guidance, and then asking God for his goodness. You know, interceding, praying, asking, petitioning God for things in your life. And then lastly, the pressing on part. And this is how we would kind of wrap up um, our accountability groups. What are some specific ways others can be praying for you as we move forward together? You know, thinking through, here's some things that I need prayer for in my life. Number two, what are some specific ways others can encourage you as we move forward together? Tell them how you receive encouragement. If you've got an encouragement language, if you want to borrow from the, the five love languages, if you've got an encouragement, hey, I'm super encouraged when people do this for me, when people handle it this way. Tell people. 
Let people in your group know how you receive encouragement so they can faithfully encourage you. Okay? Uh, again, I need feedback on this, like um, things that should be added, uh, things that aren't clear, things that are, could be worded differently. Because um, I want this to be an effective tool that we can all use. Again, not as a go through this rigidly every time, but use it as a guide for discussion. Let this be a way for you to know how do I assess myself. Because some of us, we're going to get off work. We're meeting with our accountability, accountability group two, three days later. All right, I'm supposed to assess myself. What does that, what does that mean? I feel like I'm tired. Um, I don't want to think about this. You know, it's helpful to be able to pull something out and say, okay, let, let me assess where I'm at in some important areas. And, and maybe that leads you into discussing something that I didn't specifically put down. But this is at least a tool to get your brain thinking in the right direction uh, to help make these accountability groups profitable. All right, any thoughts or questions on that or any immediate feedback from it? These questions were pulled from various lists that I'd seen from, from other places. Some of it came from Covenant Eyes, which is a software um, specifically dealing, dealing with Internet pornography. Some of it was taken from John Piper's uh, elder accountability assessment that they do with each other weekly. I'm not taking credit for any of these questions, really. All right, everybody's back in the country, so no excuses for... I haven't, I haven't talked with my group because part of my group's in Uganda, okay? Everybody's in the country now. Um, so if I haven't heard from your group... Let's just say this. Even if I have heard from your group, make sure somebody in your group reminds me that I've heard from your group. Because, again, if we need to juggle some people around, then we want to do that now. Because we're not going to start this and then have to switch people around. And it's like, ah, I shared important information and that person's now gone. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, a lot of these fears that we express shouldn't be fears. But they're still kind of that, uh, I've been in this setting before and, and people let me down even though, they shouldn't have, and so um, we just want to protect. Hopefully it's a fear that's not real, but even removing just the potential of that fear. Um, what I, okay, so Jen's asking, we've kind of set it up and just to catch everybody up that maybe was out of the country. We are meeting one time a month. You can meet more than that, but we're asking that your group together meets at least one time a month. Two of you from your group may meet every week. That's great. But your whole group, we want meeting at least one time a month. And then all the women are going to meet one time a month. And then all the men are going to meet one time a month. So technically... We're asking you to meet two times a month. One time as your little group, one time with the rest of your gender in the church. Those ladies' night and men's night are going to tackle what we've been doing with our guys. We've been doing pizza and theology. So we would get together, we would eat, and we would talk about a theological topic. We're still going to do that. We're still going to draw our attention to good conversation about something specific. The guys and the girls will discuss the same thing. So we'll throw out a topic, a question, something to discuss. So the first portion of the evening we'll focus on, hey, let's talk about this. Let's hash this out. Let's reflect on this, whatever it is. Then we want to enter into a time of sharing things that are helping us fight sin. And, and there's freedom to be as specific or as vague as need be in those areas. So, um, you know, I don't, I've not met with Alex about accountability, so don't assume that I mean, this is strictly hypothetical. But let's say me and Alex, Alex is in my group, and he says, I struggle with uh, pornography. And I've worked with him, our group's worked with him to set up software on his iPhone, his iPad, his, his computer. Uh, we've worked at setting up filters on his cable TV, whatever. We pass some of that information along in that big group time. You know, Alex comes forward and says, hey, guys, um, you know, I want to be proactive in fighting against sexual temptation. And in my group, uh, guys have really helped me 
come up with some of these things, and, and here's how you could do it on your iPhone. Because some of us are sitting back saying, man, I don't really know how to put a filter on my iPhone. I don't know how that works. Um, it provides an environment for us to share practical things that we're doing to fight sin that might help other people in other groups where that's not. Because remember we said that we realize that there's a, a deficiency potentially in like spiritual maturity because we haven't intentionally put elders in every group. And so we're trying to use this as an opportunity to teach from a mature standpoint to everybody if you don't have somebody in your group that's just like nailing it as far as, um, man, I know all kinds of good stuff to share with you guys. You know, like we're, we're wanting to use that as an environment to help grow people up in maturity that maybe um, aren't as skilled in it right now. And then concluding that evening by breaking up into our little groups to simply kind of wrap it up with prayer together and just kind of a quick assessment um, from our last little group together. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know exactly how that victory encouraging time will, will look, and that will be something we have to kind of learn and grow in, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll have to build some trust in sharing. You know, we kind of talked last week, you don't, you don't got, it can be a form of gossip by telling somebody, hey, so-and-so doesn't struggle with uh, this anymore. And it's kind of like, well, now I know they used to struggle with it. Um, so we'll have to kind of learn and grow in that victory setting as well. But uh, kind of starting off with theological discussion that, that you'll be provided with the direction um, that the guys and girls will both talk about, sharing any victory stories, that kind of thing, and then breaking up with your individual group to close the time out in prayer. Those are starting August 28th for the guys. So the guys will start first. We're meeting every or the last Wednesday of every month. So we will meet August the 28th. And then the girls will meet September uh, the 3rd. They're going to meet the first Tuesday of every month. We call these huddle groups just to differentiate so that I don't have to stand up here and explain which group I'm talking about. So your group of three or four that's accountability group. The all-men group and the all-women group, that's the huddle group where we get together, we huddle up, we talk about what's working, what's not working, that kind of thing. Any other thoughts, questions? All right. Um, you're invited to stick around today. Uh, for Jesse and Cortland's uh, wedding shower. Um, we've got a big cookout planned, so we welcome you to join us for lunch. We won't be probably eating until about 1.30, um, so you've got some time to just kind of hang out right here, help uh, those that plan the shower. If they need any help setting things up, we can do that. Um, we've invited the Stapletons to stick around, but if they can't stick around that long, then... Um, we're going to see if they'll let us purchase them some lunch from Subway, and then maybe y'all can eat it here. Uh, and then as people are just mingling, um, they can sit down and hang out with you and talk with you, that kind of thing. Um, but you're welcome to stick around and eat lunch with us at 1.30 if you've got the time. But if not, we totally understand, but we'd love to treat you to lunch and give you some time to interact with our people, um, as most of us will be hanging around uh, kind of thing. So I'm going to pray for us as, you, as you're hanging out today. If you want to give, we've got our giving box in the back. We encourage you to give based on what you've worked out with the Holy Spirit. Um, continue to give uh, to this ministry so we can use your resources, pull them together, continue to do the ministries that God has laid on our hearts. So let's pray together. Father, I continue to praise you and thank you for the work that you're doing in our life and in the lives of those that are part of our church. pray that you would continue to give us a desire to fight sin as a whole in our life, not just individual sins that a lot of times we might harp on, but um, being willing to open up our hearts and expose um, the dark corners of our heart to the light of the gospel and, and getting rid of sins that too often we tolerate, like gossip and grumbling and complaining. God, that we would strive to be holy people in all areas of our life. Help us to be able to lean on people in our groups for this help. God, I pray that you would grow us up spiritually, um, that we would take ownership, take responsibility for our group. Um, Father, that we would come prepared, we would leave committed. Um, God, that you would allow 
uh, this structure to work and to thrive in our church. God, we thank you for Jesse and for Cortland and for the work that you're doing in their life as you bring them together here in a very short time as they begin uh, their marriage. Father, I pray that we would enjoy our time of just celebrating with them today and, and leading up to that event. pray that you would continue to lead and guide them in this process, decisions that they have to make. God, I pray that you would continue to establish them um, in their love for you and their love for each other, um, Father, as they prepare uh, to begin their life together. Again, we thank you so much uh, for the Stapletons and allowing them to be with us. I pray that you would uh, continue to, to use them as an encouragement as they leave us today and uh, are able to visit with Mount Gilead tonight. God, I pray that you would just continue to uh, bless their ministry, bless their family. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.